My one failure could be uh, when I was 19, I went to uh, Australia. I had a very clear vision in my head. They're going to pay me like uh, four, uh, five times more than I would get uh, paid here in Estonia doing just simple work. And, you know, it's simple work. I'll get the job, uh, uh, I'll go to the beach, all that. And uh, that was basically the failure to assess the probability of success because I. <laughs> I just did not realize uh, what I am, uh, especially uh, in the framework of the uh, job market. Andreas, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. So you've had a pretty interesting journey in terms of like your marketing career. One question I wanted to ask you to start is, what is one thing that you think a lot of marketers believe that you just think is simply not true? I think, I, it seems to me that everybody thinks that, you know, there are different verticals to marketing. And inside those verticals, everybody is, um, is is searching for that one answer that would, uh, you know, get them to make this leap forwards or or or, uh, or or really boost their marketing. And it's it's usually just not true. It's mostly about the basics that you have to make sure that you uh, you know inside out, and you you can then apply those uh, uh, principles uh, throughout your your marketing. Yeah, it's almost like first principles thinking as opposed to like getting bogged down in the weeds of, of something specific, specifically with like all the trends that are happening right now. Uh, this is exactly what uh, I meant. Yeah. Is it, um, it, is there is there something in specific that you notice that uh, that this applies to? Um, like <clears throat> I started out uh, with, uh, with a blog uh, here at Factory. And uh, so I, I studied uh, SEO uh, more in depth and, and also did some consultations for other companies. So I oftentimes during those consultations saw that they themselves thought that they already know all the basics. And then I'd come in, log into their WordPress and, you know, just magically push a button and then uh, all the information that they have there becomes available to Google and then gets tracked and, and all that. And then it, it, it's just simply never true. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that's definitely, uh, that, that's definitely interesting. And I think like one thing that I'm actually guilty of sometimes is focusing too much on sometimes like I, I, I pay too much attention to like trends or whatever is like hot right now. Whereas when, when you really get to the bottom of it, sometimes you realize that the, the first principles continue. Like when you take a first principles approach, you will most likely never be wrong because you're always starting from the things that you know to be true and will continue to be true, even as things continue to evolve, the the basics of, of marketing, the, the foundations of marketing, and just like human nature, uh, will, will continue to be true. And I was actually watching this podcast, uh, watching slash listening to this podcast yesterday that talks about um, talks about sales, but it's basically two researchers, the, the people who wrote a popular book called The Challenger Sale, and they were talking about like how they are not so much interested in the latest like um or kind of like best practices in in selling as opposed as it as opposed to the almost latest trends in in buying and they were actually studying buying behavior so i thought it was quite interesting that like sometimes you can study the inverse of something just so that you can understand so i guess from a marketing point of view it's not just about what what just is what's the latest thing in in, in marketing and how could this apply to us but rather how are people currently consuming content? And this is a nice way for us to almost like reverse engineer 
the the way that we think about things. And speaking of engineering, you got an engineering degree, not a marketing degree. Uh, yeah, I uh, got a master's degree in mechanical engineering from Tallinn University of Technology. Right. So to help us set the stage, uh, maybe walk us through that journey and how, how it led to where you are today. Um, <clears throat> so basically, I did my first year at uni, then I had my compulsory army service, then did the other two years, um, decided to uh, continue with my master's studies. Um, but already after the second year, I started also working as a mechanical engineer here in Estonia. So altogether, I was designing pellet factories for uh, uh, three and a half years. And uh, after that, and my... what, what, what does that mean for, for folks who may not have heard it before? Uh, pellets are, you know, those uh, small wood uh, granules that you can uh, use for heating uh, the oven at home. All right, understood. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. So but all the machinery that's uh, that's uh, used in the factories, uh, I was I was like behind designing those things. So also the constructions, the the platforms. Um, and uh, then my my now wife uh, wants to go to the Netherlands to study uh, there. Mm, had a one year's uh, master's and then I found an- another engineering shop there uh, in fully Dutch environment. They, they got me to learn Dutch and uh, and was there for, for a year and just, you know, basically after four and a, a half years in total uh, working uh, in engineering, I, I got set up and uh, was looking for other challenges. So in the meantime, while I was away in the Netherlands, my my um, mate from uni, uh, Martin Marhes, had uh, founded this company called uh, Fractured. So while I just you know inquired uh, about it, uh, what is it? Uh, do they need anybody um, to join them? Because that you know their sales guys uh, were all engineers. So I thought that maybe I could also join in as a as a sales engineer. And uh, applied as one because I was also interested in, in startups. My my, my uh, wife uh, had worked for two startups, and uh, uh, I was able to you know see from the from the sides uh, what it looks like, and uh, all this chaos uh, seemed very interesting to me because it's, it's very much uh, the opposite of engineering work. And and uh, he said like Martin told me that uh, okay yeah uh, sorry we don't have any uh, available. Uh, spots for sales engineers, but uh, maybe you want to come and join in uh, as someone writing the blog. Yeah. They also had a CMO in place and also I had no credentials. Yeah. But just, just to go back to, just to go back to something you said um, in terms of, you know, you, you, you were seeing your wife kind of like in a startup environment and how it was a lot more chaotic than engineering. I, I thought that like, why, why would you, uh, why was it interesting for you to go to a more chaotic environment as opposed to like, what I, I've never been an engineer one day in my life, but I imagine it's a lot more, it's a lot less maybe chaotic than, than, than a typical, let's say like startup environment. Um, I guess in some ways it's, it's just about, you know, uh, all those unexpected problems, uh, pushing you off the balance, basically testing you and then, uh, and uh, pushing you out of your comfort zone, so mm. I I saw it as an opportunity to basically develop my my own skills and, and personality. Yeah. 
Got you, got you. And you started off by taking care of their 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 blog and content efforts, right? As a marketing manager. Uh, as a digital marketer, yes. Yes. Right. And what happened after that? Uh, actually, not. I was still doing the blog, but after like two or three months, the, the CMO at the time left the company. So uh, I was left there alone, um, uh, meaning that uh, we still had uh, more job to do. Uh, so required another person to join the team. My first uh, recruit was, was an old friend uh, who had no background in marketing either. He, he used to be a professional poker player. So mm. that was the team, an engineer as a poker player. Love it. And then just grew from there. Basically, two years ago, we uh, raised our Series A, and then, then this became a real team. Um, now we're sitting at five people, and, and uh, uh, I have been the joint of the CMO tech. Amazing, amazing. Um, yeah, I mean... It, it, it reminds me of uh, of Ocean's Eleven. Uh, if you've seen that movie, like the fact that like everyone kind of comes in with their speci specific like skill set to to like work towards that uh, common goal, and it, it's it's interesting because it, it seems at least from like what you told us so far that like uh, the people on the team didn't necessarily have like the typical you know marketing journeys, and sometimes this is exactly the thing that can can help you to to think outside the box. Um, especially when you probably look at like some of these things and you realize that from a first principles perspective, I think there's a lot of transferable skills from having like a professional like poker playing background or a professional like engineering or mechanical engineering background and so on. Yeah, yeah, true. I mean, because I used to be a mechanical engineer, uh, then I was able to understand what are the common problems that you might face during your um you know, average work days. And I was basically writing content uh, for myself. I was imagining myself having those uh, problems and what I would like to consume then. So it was easy. And in, in that sense, I, of, of course, uh, had to learn all the SEO basics. But uh, after like one, one and a half years, I had grown our organic uh, traffic from like 3,000 to 100,000. 85,000 uh, wow. uh, monthly visitors. And then in terms of, uh, of Heike, that the poker player, his uh, innate ability to understand uh, 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 variants played a, a very big role uh, when, when you, you know, when you start out, your marketing budgets are really low. And uh, people are, you know, that they want to jump the gun uh, very early on uh, uh, when doing uh, paid ads, uh, cutting uh, yeah. ads after they've actually spent like uh, 30 euros on that and, and the data set is so small that it cannot tell you anything. And uh, as Heike's understanding was of those numbers, you know, in poker, you, you have the expected value uh, or EV, whatever it stands for. Uh, and and uh, sometimes you can, you know, mm, for half a year, get results that are worse than based on, on how you actually played your hands. You might have played them well. Yes. That is so, that is so interesting. And, and I imagine it gives you guys, as, a, as you mentioned, like a, uh, or as I think, like uh, some type of a competitive advantage as opposed to like, uh, yeah, typical, typical like marketing career journeys where, you know, uh, unfortunately, a lot of times, we, you know, we, we fall into this mindset of, oh, well, 
what does the book say or what the, what's the best practice as opposed to really considering things from a fresh perspective and just using logic to to form your hypothesis and and test it and so on um so there's a lot more that i want to unpack here so let's just jump into the key moments what is one failure for you uh that's <laughs> that's a difficult question like first off uh i think defining failure is something we should do like um I guess some people uh, see just uh, an unsuccessful attempt as failure, but uh, I don't think that's uh, true. Again, because every decision you make uh, is, is basically a bet. I, I don't know if you've heard of the book, uh, Thinking in Bets from Andy Duke, also Poker Face. Yeah, yeah, great book. Yeah. I, I, I don't think the book was great, but the like that's, that's one of the few instances where, where I'd say read the notes. The book had a lot of fluff in there, but the, the central ideas were very, very good. So, so basically, every time you're making a decision, you're uh, assessing odds to to some outcomes, and you know the bad come, outcome also uh, has some odd. So, oftentimes it's just you know logical again variance. Um, but then failure could be defined as an unaccessful, uh, uh, sorry, unexpectedly. Uh, um, uh, bad result. Mm. So you can, something that was not uh, planned, basically. Yeah, yeah. Or, or you fail to really set the odds right. Um, uh, or once you made the decision, then comes the work part. You you later on didn't put in the work. Mm -hmm. So so I guess my one failure could be um, uh, me. By the way, I I just want to say I I, I love the fact. I, like spoken like a true engineer like i love how you started by defining what failure is and then from there <laughs> you're you're starting to break it down i think i think that that's very refreshing to hear because sometimes you don't even know like what is a failure and what isn't uh but yeah please carry on so so uh when i was 19 i went to uh, australia backpacking so that time i had a very clear vision in my head they're gonna pay me like uh four uh, five times more than I would get uh, paid here in Estonia doing just simple work and you know it's simple work uh, I'll get the job uh, I'll go to the beach all that and uh, that was basically the failure to assess the probability of success because I <laughs> I just did not realize uh, what I am uh, especially in, uh, in the framework of the uh, job market so I went there, I had finished, uh, I had my high school diploma, um, all was good, but then I, when I started sending out my CVs, uh, I hardly got any responses. Uh, so I understood that I have no skills that are valuable to anybody. <laughs> so for example, I, I applied uh, to be a tooth uh, on the streets wearing the tooth costume. So I thought, To be an, you know, an actual tooth? Yes, yes. Uh, <laughs> for like a toothpaste? company or something yeah something like that yeah uh, <laughs> i didn't get a response then another one i i, I sent in my cv to uh, uh do some uh lawn mowing and uh, they gave me a call asking have you done it before and i was like i have no not not with that uh, you know uh, mowing tractor but uh, <laughs> I, I i guess i can learn and uh, the guy said yeah uh, fuck off you brats Whoa. All of you young guys are so spoiled. So I was like, okay, this is not the attitude I can apply. And then finally, you know, you, you get down to the simple simplest jobs, uh, manual labor. And then you also understand that, okay, I'm 19. I'm like 
I'm not a good candidate for that either. I'm I'm just weak, you know. Other guys are bigger and stronger, so it's it makes sense that they they uh, choose them ahead of me. So that was a a, a, a failure in what one it, sense, and there was a lot to learn. What did yeah? I was just gonna say what what did you learn from almost being a tooth and. I'm oh, sorry. Were, were you a tooth at one point, or you no, didn't no, get no, that no, job? No, I wasn't tired. No, I was. Uh, wh- I wow, you didn't get the job. But, yeah, I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah, and, and you and you couldn't get a job as a, as a lawnmower. What did What did you actually do in the end, and what did you learn? Uh, I was a farmhand uh, for some time. I was um, a removalist. I was doing door-to-door sales, uh, all that. Uh, and what what I learned this is probably was uh, like that the market just does not uh, and I, I don't have anything to to offer to the market with my current skill set. Mm. Like I knew that this going to be a gap year, but this really uh, hit me hit me uh, well then because. In Estonia, the, the high school I went to is, you know, we have those so-called elite schools and then um, logically thinking, you know that it's not going to be much different and everybody's going to competing with each other later on anyway. But, you know, the principal during uh, those speeches, he, he used to oftentimes kind of repeat, okay, you're going to be the future elite of Estonia. And... Right. Probably somewhere it, it does affect you, and then you you have this kind of uh, mental image that yeah yeah most probably uh, success will, will come easy. Yeah, yeah. So let me ask you like a uh, almost like a philosophical question, which is: Do you think that too much encouragement in this way? Do you think it has like a negative effect or a higher probability of, of failure in some cases? Yeah, sure. Because what does it mean? You are the the future elite of Estonia. Like, it 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 means nothing. It's it's you can only talk about um, talent and and uh, hard work. Ah. I guess th- those are the two factors that that play into into success. Nothing else. So when you're encouraging some, what I'm learning is that like when you're encouraging someone, but it's like just based random like flattery. As opposed yep. to like encouraging someone about something very specific that they specifically did, there's a difference there. Yeah, I mean, uh, I have a two-year-old son now, and uh, me and my wife went through uh, Gordon's family school. I, I guess it's the direct translation anyway. Uh, and then there, they also t- uh, tell you that you should never label a child. You should never say that oh, you are good, uh, but but you always praise the effort. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so in the, uh, in the Carol, Carol Dweck's book, uh, Mindset, when she was talking about like growth mindset and fixed mindset. If I say, you know, Andreas, you're you're smart, then, you know, or if you say, Karim, you're smart, I'll feel good. But anytime I come up, come across a challenge and I don't feel smart, this is according to a research, like that's actually going to affect me a lot worse because I already have the title of smart and I'm not living up to this title as opposed to saying, you know what? Exactly. You work really hard at um, figuring things out. So now when I have a challenge, I, I I don't say, oh, I'm smart or I'm not smart, like binary, but rather, no, I'm the kind of person who would work hard to figure something out. So that's, I think that's what yes. uh, I'm understanding there. Yes, yeah, exactly. That's what it meant. 
do, do you find that it like what, what's what's been your experience like with that so far with uh with with your son uh he can piece two words together for a really short sentence so i guess <laughs> it's, it's still I, i'd rather use this time to relearn uh praising myself so i've been mm. trying to praise him uh in the way that was uh, taught to me and and uh Let's see in, in a few more years uh, uh, how it will pay out. Love it. So speaking of speaking of, of books and research, what is one book for you that really made a difference? Uh, <clears throat> I think the Great Mental Models series is is uh, is one. Like uh, those, I think three volumes I've gone th uh, through two. So. First principles thinking, for example, is is uh, outlined there. Um, second and third order thinking, um, inversion, all that, and kind of you know those are things that we probably unknowingly use uh, in our daily lives uh, when solving problems. But as the book also uh, um, emphasizes, is that uh, if you are aware of those models, then you can always like knowingly. Uh, apply the different uh, models to, to a single problem and see what fits and what doesn't. So right. I, I think that this this is something that, uh, especially looking towards the future, will, will play a, a bigger role. Just, I read it like six months ago. What what's one model that stood out to you? I think inversion. Uh, inversion is, is just basically um, thinking backwards. Um, Engineers are, you know, engineering is about problem solving. You 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 get the root problem and then you're gonna start building on top of that until you you um, reach a working solution, basically. Because also, like when the customer comes in, you have like the only goal is to reach a working solution. Uh, they have already um, signed a contract with the end all that, but. So, so the, this inversion wasn't very uh, natural to me. Inversion is, is the opposite. You, you start from the top. You imagine uh, a, a future a solution that is that is just better without the constraints uh, that, that currently exist, and that basically uh, creates the possibility of of uh, real progress, I guess. Um, mm -hmm. detaching yourself from the, the, the current state. Then you work, then you work down, down us. Basically, if this was true, then what else should be true for, for that to, to come into fruition? But I, I thought that the, I thought that inversion, inversion thinking is more about, so rather than focusing on the goal, it's focusing on how, how not to fail. What are all the things that can cause us to fail? How do we avoid these things? Or maybe I misunderstood. Maybe I misunderstood. <laughs> no, I mean, that's 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 a good question. I, like that, that that's how I understood it. I, I can't really <laughs> comment on that in in that sense. No, I, I'll tell you. I'll tell you the the reason why I was thinking about it is because um, I, I definitely want to check out the book series that you're talking about because I I, I read a book a couple of months ago as well called. Um, it's by a really good friend, not not by a good, really, a really good friend of mine, but a really good friend of mine recommended it. It's called, uh, it's by a German guy, uh, The Art of uh, Thinking Clearly. And it talks about like, 
so not really mental models, but just like just like biases that people have. So things like mm. confirmation bias when they think that uh, you know uh, uh, you know Nissan is like the best car. I will always be very attentive to any news that shows Nissan in a positive light or sunk cost fallacy where you know I keep investing in uh, in a startup even though it's not really working but it's like no just just keep just add more money it'll be fine and you just keep getting too invested in the thing as opposed to looking at it objectively and so on so I, I'm, I'm still I'm still learning but I, rem I remember I don't know why but I remember coming across the inversion thing um, but it's definitely a refreshing way to look at to look at problems like this yeah I didn't do as I said it's not intuitive uh, for me I'm, I'm used to working the other way around and then the other way around works well in in most cases but yeah i, I guess it uh you know rooting yourself in in the uh, uh stages qo will also uh limit your yeah yeah it makes sense i mean uh for 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 people who are tuning in like what advice do you have around um you know like recognize recognize like when is the best time to apply these mental models how do we make it kind of like a habit with our marketing teams or or just with any initiatives that we're starting from your experience i mean i the best way is to just start with yourself i guess first try to understand those things then um, for myself i've I made notes on, on all the the metal models that are uh, more interesting or, or less intuitive for myself I've been trying to to apply them myself, and and then also, uh, in terms of the team, I I'm always you know, um, uh, explaining my thought process and then where it comes from, and and um, if those models work, then then most likely others will will just adopt them as well. Yeah, yeah, that's a great that's a great tip. Like even just like starting with yourself, uh, almost having like a summary of the ones that you think you're most likely going to. To leverage and and yeah just just sharing that with the team proactively but not necessarily uh yeah i mean it's clear that it's easier for you to start with yourself than to uh th than to just share it with the team and have them kind of like proactively do it if they haven't heard of it before i guess exactly like if you're just explaining a new idea that you read from a book without having tested it uh out yourself then you know what are you telling them? Oh, I read a great book. Also, you should also all read it. Like, but if you can really use those mental models um, while discussing different uh, problems with them, and and they can see those models working and being beneficial, then your uh, likelihood of them or the whole team uh, um, adopting this uh, this system is, is just yeah, more likely. Makes total sense. So. You've had a pretty interesting journey. Who was uh, one person for you throughout this journey that really made a difference, personally or professionally? Uh, you know, it's 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 it is difficult to, to uh, pick one person. Um, I, I I've never had any so-called role models really, but I have a big family. I, I have uh, three older brothers. Uh, but the youngest is is. Uh, uh, 10 years older than me. So, um, and my parents. So I guess those are the people who have had the, the biggest impact on me. 
Uh, I've been able to look at their journey from the sides closely and all my brothers are pretty different from each other uh, so that has been interesting but if I had to pick one I, I guess it's, it's my mom uh, and and her uh, attitude um, and the, the, the most like impactful thing that he ha she has uh, ever told me was like when I was in 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 fifth grade or sixth grade, I when I went to school and then I did well, I didn't say anything. Uh, but when something bad happened, uh, I, I got a bad mark. Then I'd go home and and uh, first off uh, uh, tell tell about it to my parents. Wow, and that's very very unique. I have to say. <laughs> yeah, but because I I hate, kind of I I hated trouble. Not many. I, I wasn't sitting. Uh, sitting silently in classes or anything, but uh, I didn't, I hated the idea of, you know, you, you finally get your report cards and, and then uh, the, the parents see that. Yeah, you want to say it up front. Uh, yeah, yeah, basically. Gotcha. But, but actually the report cards uh, back then at least was also fine, so I don't know. Um, anyway, one time again I was coming uh, back from school and, and uh, told my mom that uh, I got the bad grades so, uh, in some class, and her reply was like, "Ah, uh, why are you telling me? It's it's not me who's going to school, is it?" And mm. that really hit like hit me, uh, and in the right spot, I guess. Uh, I I've wondered about it later on because I guess it's something that wouldn't work on many children because they, you know, just think, "Okay, if my mother doesn't care, then who cares?" But for me, at least, this made me realize that yeah that's that's exactly how it is um i, I i'm here for myself and and yeah it's my, my parents are supporting but uh i'm yeah but this is for this is for you it's not for them it's for your future yeah yeah, yeah that's yeah that's definitely noteworthy and, and how did it how did it kind of like it, it seems like the fact that you're bringing up today is amazing because it seems like it kind of stuck with you how how has it kind of like shapes um like how you approach things maybe uh i have felt free in making my decisions because i know i like my life is my responsibility there are no others involved there are like people uh around me who who definitely you know uh cheer on and all that but uh Oftentimes, you know, um, I guess uh, children want to please their parents. I, I haven't had that burden uh, laid upon me. And, and that's one of the things that, that did it for me, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. Thanks thanks for sharing that. Uh, it reminds me of, uh, like, back home in Egypt, I know that sometimes there's this culture of you get the degree for your parents and then, or the, the diploma or the degree for your parents, and then you do what you want to do. Um, there's another version of this where you have to be uh, an engineer <laughs> like you or uh, a doctor or this. Otherwise, you will not survive on this planet. Like you have to be an engineer or a doctor. You can get another degree, but you have to show that you have tried to be an engineer or a doctor and failed. And so, OK, this is like, you know, second place or third place. This is exactly what happened to me. I uh, saw the movie Iron Man in the cinema. Iron Man 1, I was like with my dad. I was like, what is this? This was around the time of college and um, he said, well, I guess this is mechanical engineering. I was like, right, that's that's what I'm going to study. And I actually, I don't know if I told you this before, Aran, but 
actually studied or tried to study mechanical engineering for one year and I uh, I, I failed uh, one of, I, I told the story several times on the podcast, but basically one of the classes, one of the classes, uh, I was basically five, I was 5% 5 away from passing and I told, I think it was, it was either uh, chemistry or physics, it was like the f foundation year of engineering and the guy made me promise him that if, I, I, tro I told him, can you just bump me up 5% so that I can at least like change my major or something like that. And he said, I will bump it up, but you have to promise me that you're not going to become an engineer and be a danger to this world. I told him, I promise you, I will stay away. And, uh, and, and I kept good on my promise. I have not <laughs> become an engineer. Well, it's not like I can anyway, but, uh, but yeah, like it's, it's, and I remember there's a lot of back and forth with, uh, my family of, you know, they were, they were supportive, but not without like some back and forth in the beginning of like, Hey, why do you want to leave engineering? This is like the most secure thing on, on, in the, in the world. Mm. Why, why not medicine or something? And, uh, I ended up studying like marketing, which was like, mm, what is, mm, is like, are you really going to get a, is that like, like, uh, like, you know, like advertising and, and painting pictures and stuff like that. There was no appreciation for what is, what that is. Um, uh, or like uh, Vodafone, which has a very big presence in Egypt. There's this running joke of like, oh, you're just going to be giving out like, you know, all these Vodafone mugs in the, in, on the streets and stuff like all the, the free merch and stuff. And I'm like, I think, I think there's more to marketing than that, but yeah. Um, so yeah, it's, it's interesting. It's interesting what you said. So you guys didn't, ha you didn't have in Estonia, you don't have the pressure of like going down specific career paths at all. Uh, I mean, it's up to, 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 to parents, I guess, uh, it is, it's not maybe that culture about, I mean, specific reason yeah um, but uh i guess um in most families the the her parents expect that the child to to go uh, and, and follow up uh, high school with uh say college or, or university uh, because also yeah. university and um studies are free nice. um but but yeah at the same time like i ended up uh studying engineering my my, my mother has a degree in, in civil engineering my uh, father oh. was a professor at, at the same uh, nurse i went to a professor of metrology which is the science science measuring uh kind of a subcategory of, of uh, statistics yeah yeah so i mean it's, it, it's something that was common in the family uh i guess yeah yeah yeah, but but I, I didn't feel the pressure, but because I didn't have like my own calling after I had uh, 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 finished high school. So I again I, I sat down with mom and, and she just said, uh, said, you know, an engineering degree will be valued also outside of engineering. And I yeah. said, okay, maybe, maybe you're right because she had also uh, never worked as a as an engineer. Yeah, she just has the degree. And then right. I think it could too. What is what it ba based on the the positive impact that that her ha that her attitude had on you? Like, what is something that um, that you can share with the audience that 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 you think can benefit them as well? Based on like what how this has been helping you in your life lately? I I I mean like. That's that's kind of the answer I, I gave uh, a few minutes ago about just feeling th the freedom of making my own choices because mm. I'm making those choices for myself. 
Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. So, so for example, abandoning my uh, my so-called engineering career, um, I, I didn't feel any responsibility to anybody else. It was purely my decision, uh, leaving my comfort zone. Of course, my parents asked, well, I felt on the same thing like marketing. What is it even? That's yeah, yeah. Not a practical skill. Yeah, yeah. But I didn't feel pressurized in any way. Yeah, makes sense. And I think, yeah, like what, once you realize that you you are the one and once you remind yourself that you're the one and you're, and you're in control of your own future and you're not doing it for someone else, you start to uh, obviously take a lot more responsibility and like really just wake up a lot more to like what what you what what you can and can't do what you should and shouldn't do um as opposed to feeling hey well it's out of my control it's i'm doing it for somebody for somebody else um so i, I follow you on that for sure so shifting, like, shifting like, oh go ahead yeah like, like, let, let's say you've made some choices and then they have been influenced by the other people in your life and and you you pretty much hate the outcome of that choice then in some ways if it's a choice made uh, because of this other person's influence, this, I don't know, parents' influence, you can stay in that spot for quite a long time, I guess, because uh, you're blaming others yeah. for the situation for, uh, you're in. Um, but uh, when it's solely up to you and you start whining and you've been whining to your partner for three months, then, you know, I, I guess it's, it's, it's time to say all right uh there's nobody else stopping me uh and then i'm i'm the one putting myself into prison so it's time to just uh shred the knock open the door and leave yeah i i i love i love the i love that analogy i think it makes a lot of sense um so shifting gears a little bit what was one decision on this journey that really made the difference for you uh it must have been joining uh factory I guess. Yeah, I saw I saw that coming. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because that was just a, such a big change, and then <clears throat> like, first off, startups are so busy; they are so ambitious that there's just not the time for anybody else to hold your hands. Uh, from very early on, Martin uh, basically so showed that he has faith in me. Uh, this faith is a great platform to build trust upon. Mm-hmm. Showing him that, uh, okay, I can do it and I, I'll earn the trust and then I'm I'm even more free to make my own decisions. Because, you know, you start school at age six, seven, whatever, and then and uh, yeah, I got my engineering degree at the twenty seven, so two gap years, uh, five years of uh, of uh, study. Uh, so for twenty years, somebody uh, has been holding my hand, telling me what is right and what is wrong. Uh, first, it was the teachers. Then, when I entered the engineering workforce, it was the uh, seasoned colleagues. You know, because. Right, right. They, 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 they mostly knew, uh, at least much earlier than me, uh, was which one of my possible solutions is, is the best one. But then I entered the like or joining the factory. There was nobody else, or 
me neither, but basically nobody knew anything about marketing uh, anyway. So it was up to me to, to get, get up, to, up to speed and, and start making uh, decisions. And did that scare you in any way? Or were you like, finally, I can, I can think, you know, like without any like outside involvement? No, of course it's it's scary because this is the first time we're taking uh, responsibility, basically. Hmm. It's interesting how you say taking responsibility. Do you feel like in the past um, having like a strong support system is almost like, oh, you know, it's they have my back. It's going to be okay regardless. Yeah, absolutely. Like yeah. this guy has has uh, has also uh, you know agreed that this solution is uh, works well. Now that now. For me, is to probably share responsibility. Yeah, yeah. So how how did your how did your mindset? Well, I can see how your mindset uh, started to shift over here, but um, like I'm, I'm imagining like people people who are listening to us right now who are kind of like in a similar position who are the first time being a CMO or the first time being a VP or something like that, and they are almost like overwhelmed with how much choice they have or how much possibilities they have in that regard, and naturally they're afraid to make that first like wrong move what's something that you've learned that um, that could be helpful to them uh, I mean uh, that's a difficult question like in some ways I, I guess um, what has worked for me is that we started out by um, you know searching for the backbone of our marketing what are the things that we can always re rely on? Uh, First principles. Uh, yeah, yeah, basically. Uh, then, then you have a, a working system, and and on top of that, you have the you have a lot of tests to do, and they they come in with, you know, a test. For, for me, I guess has has three components: probability of success, uh, impact if successful, and and uh, requirement of of resources. And you put those all together. Uh, at least in your head, if not on paper, and then you uh, outline those different ideas and you just start testing. That their uh, aim of this or, or uh, is is just to get uh, a definitive answer. I think this is also one one thing to note here. Uh, oftentimes, people think that uh, the aim is to get a positive answer, and then they're shy or, or they get you mean feel vulnerable uh, when when they when the answer is is negative. But but that's not it. Uh, so yeah, basically get your system working, uh, start testing and then, then it's easier also to, to, to say that, uh, yeah, uh, it was my decision that we did that, uh, the, the answer was negative, um, and that there was no way could, we could have known it before, which is usually the case, uh, uh, like sometimes during the pro pro process, you learn new things and then you understand that if I had known those bits about this uh, process before, I, I wouldn't have uh, even done it. <laughs> but like you said, you, sometimes you don't know until you until you actually try it for your specific case. Yes. Even if it's something you read about online or whatever, it's like, oh, it yeah. worked for them. Let's let's uh, let's do a hypothesis and, and and let's get testing. But of course, that's the whole point of testing, right? And yeah. I love what you said, Andreas, about how like. The goal is not to get a positive result. The goal is to get a result so that you can actually learn what to do or what or what not to do moving forward. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love I love that. Um, 
I think specifically in today's like economy, as we as we're recording this right now, like in in what in in August twenty twenty three, like there's there's a lot there's a lot of uncertainty, and I think you alluded to it earlier. Like sometimes on, on the one hand, kind of like what you were talking about with your example of like um, ads budgets, and if like if you invest like thirty euros, uh, it, it's impossible for you to draw any conclusions from that because the sample size is non-existent or extremely insignificant. Um, uh, yeah, I guess like in, in, in terms of like the, the experimentation as well, actually a question for you, how, how would you balance having like a big enough sample size with kind of like this experimentation mindset or testing things before going like all in on it? If my, if my question makes sense. Uh, yeah, I mean that the scientifically uh, one hundred reliable, one hundred percent reliable um, data set sizes are so big that it's it's uh, pretty much impossible for for most companies anyway to get mm. uh, those numbers in. But uh, Bayesian uh, are probabili uh, probabilistic uh, um, uh, methods uh, can can give you um good indications early on enough that uh, you can you can probably use those uh, smaller data sets already for, for making right true right, right. and i think that's that's a requirement of of course in the in the startup world for sure um i'm just conscious of time i know we've been talking uh we've been talking a lot and i and i want to make sure that uh, we don't keep you too long so let's go quickly to our final key moment which is what was one one accomplishment for you that maybe was not very like uh, shiny or flashy to other people, but for you personally, like it just meant something different? Uh, it was passing the four different maths classes we had uh, uh, in engineering uh, studies. So when I was in high school, be before, you know, uh, applying to uh, Unispot, uh, you have to do uh, your final exams, uh, national exams. So for engineering, it's, it's either one or uh, or the other, uh, maths or or physics. So I asked my maths teacher, like, I have this idea that I might actually go to an engineering school uh, or uh, study engineering uh, in university. And then I'm thinking about the uh, exams, and he said, uh, "Yeah, that's that's got to be on your own risk." Because I, I never did anything during the maths class. That the school I went to, it was very much focused on, on um, we had like Estonian literature, British literature, uh, American liter literature, newspaper translation, presentation skills, all that. The, the, the soft soft skills, basically. Soft skills, yeah, yeah. And uh, so, so I did the physics exams because in those classes I had uh, actually participated. <laughs> uh, so got in. And uh, the the maths in in university, you the the, the final grades is um, half of it is made up of uh, 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 theory, and the other half is uh, from the practical exercises. Yeah, yeah, I understand. Yeah. The theory is very specific; it's in the language of symbols, and I have a very lousy memory, like really. Um, so I knew that I won't be able to do that part. So from the start, I, I told myself that, okay, I'll have to do all the um, equation solving to uh, basically maximum points. 
then I, I, I barely passed the class. And I remember the first year uh, we had this first test and I got like 73 points or something. Half of the class fails and then Martin, uh, the, the CEO of Fractory, still remembers it uh, uh, to this day that I, that the, the result was actually comparatively good and uh, I, I quit the class after that because oh. I knew that this is the wrong start. Uh, I, I did it again next year, um, took the same class and uh, and started out with uh, 100 points. So with, in all my tests, uh, solving equations, I got like 97, 98, uh, 100 points uh, to make sure that I won't uh, have to study theory. And then I managed it. Wow. That, that was a huge thing because, as I said, like all this university maths is, is based on what you had already learned uh, in high school. But uh, in my case, I, I barely recognized anything because I, I had been so absent-minded during the classes. Like, uh, the teacher was, uh, the high school teacher was going around the class asking like, how it's going there. And me and my, my desk mate were like, oh, sorry, we can't do anything because uh, we had to lend out our book. And we had used a, a, a bust of a, of a famous Estonian writer put it uh, uh, to the desk next to us. Sometimes I, I needed to 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 borrow it, <laughs> and he was fine. He, he was like, "Okay, like there's nothing. To, that's the lost cause anyway." So I'm not going to leave. Yeah, he was. He was not even going to to try it. <laughs> yeah. Wow, that's that's crazy. And lo looking back on that now, like, how does that, uh, uh, like, yeah, what what has that taught you about like, you know, future goals that you've set you for yourself since then? I think, like, like. When we were talking about failures, like in some ways, I could also say that that like the first twenty years of my life were a failure because I never worked hard. I never had those goals uh, really set, and and uh, I was just you know about getting it over with uh, with high school and and all that. So this university maths uh, thing was was the first time I knew that okay, it's it's only gonna be possible if I if I really put my head down and uh, and work here. So yeah, and then I love that as I was su su successful, I think this was a a, a great learning point that I, I yeah. definitely I, I've worked hard since <laughs> at least on some aspects of of uh, life and then professional life. I love it. Andreas, thank you so much for sharing your uh, your journey with us, man. Uh, in closing, where, where can people find you? And is there anything that you wanted to give to the community uh, or, or share as as yourself or as Fractory? Uh, I mean, they can find me on, on LinkedIn, Andreas Felling. Um, my profile picture looks like uh, uh, I'm half dead. So I'm actually friendly. So don't don't, uh, don't be afraid to contact me if you want to. Uh, whatever the reason, uh, for example, I don't know, we didn't talk about marketing, but, uh, but uh, after some other podcast, people have, have contacted me about that. So I'm always willing to, to have chat. Uh, yeah, I think, I think that's, cool. that's it. Amazing. All right. Well, thank you so much and uh, we'll see you soon.